Hello, listeners. My name is Shara Donahue, and welcome to The Bible Never Said That, a podcast where we talk about popular sayings that have invaded the culture and church, even though they are theologically problematic. Today, we are discussing the saying, it's easier to ask forgiveness than ask permission. This saying is popular indeed. Cavalier teens grab to it with gusto, and habitual rule breakers keep it close to their hearts. The quote's origin is most often attributed to the great Rear Admiral Grace Hopper, a trailblazing naval officer and computer programmer who wanted to get things done. Bill Murphy Jr. reported, It's not about doing things that are illegal or immoral or just plain jerky. It is, however, about not waiting for anyone else's approval to do the things you need to do in order to succeed. Even if that is true, it is not always used that way. And the fact that whoever is using this quote thinks they would need forgiveness indicates that the person speaking knows they are about to do something wrong. Adam and Eve were created perfect and remained without sin for a time. God lavished the rich gifts of his presence, their sustenance, and companionship upon them in the garden. The greatest of these gifts was himself. They already had perfect eternal life, but then they believed it might be better to bite the forbidden fruit. Had they asked permission instead of leading us all into a fallen world that required Jesus' life, death, and resurrection for forgiveness, we wouldn't even have to have this conversation. But alas, here we are, discussing how the Bible doesn't teach this self-justifying phrase. And that, right there, is the biggest issue concerning this phrase. It is often used to justify wrong behavior. This worldly philosophy can easily find its way into realms of spirituality. We convince ourselves that even though we know which way is right, we should still do what we want to do. We look around at the situation and tell ourselves, you know what? I think it will be fine. Yeah, it will probably be fine. It will be fine. I'm going to do it. Now, Saul did this exact thing in 1 Samuel 13 when he was preparing his men to go to war against the Philistines. Jonathan was already fighting and Saul was in Gilgal waiting for the prophet Samuel to come and make the sacrifices that would prepare the men spiritually for the war. Starting in verse 8 of chapter 13, he, Saul, waited seven days, the time set by Samuel, but Samuel did not come to Gilgal and Saul's men began to scatter. Basically, Saul's soldiers are growing fearful and impatient. Verse 9, So he, Saul, said, Bring me the burnt offering and the fellowship offerings. And Saul offered up the burnt offering. Just as he finished making the offering, Samuel arrived, and Saul went out to greet him. Oops. Verse 11, What have you done? asked Samuel. Saul replied, When I saw that the men were scattering and that you did not come at the set time and that the Philistines were assembling at Michmash, I thought, now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal, and I have not sought the Lord's favor. So I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering. He wasn't allowed to, but he did anyway, and figured this reasoning was understandable. But let's look at the consequence. Verse 13 
You have done a foolish thing, Samuel said. You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. If you had, he would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. But now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him ruler of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. A couple of things here that are very important. First, in verse 13, Samuel says, You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. This is key. It is the commands of the Lord that supersede the commands of anyone else. In Acts 7, Stephen preached the gospel without the permission of the Pharisees because he followed God's commands over that of man. And because of that, there was no need for him to seek forgiveness. There is a time to stand against authority, and that time is when authorities expect you to do something the Lord has commanded not to do, or vice versa. Second, God did not mess around in the Old Testament when it came to the priests fulfilling the holy rituals. In 2 Chronicles 25, 16-21, King Uzziah tried to fulfill the role of priests by lighting incense, and the priests were not having it. The scriptures say the priests confronted King Uzziah and said, It is not right for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord. That is for the priests the descendants of Aaron, who have been consecrated to burn incense. Leave the sanctuary, for you have been unfaithful, and you will not be honored by the Lord God. King Uzziah got upset, but then God gave him leprosy, and he had leprosy until he died and he was banned from the temple. So for Saul to play the priest when God had chosen him as king would lead to God's choosing of another to take Saul's place. But this was not enough for Saul to change his ways. As God was preparing David to take the place of Saul, Saul continued to lead Israel into battle. And when he fought the Amalekites in 1 Samuel 15, just two chapters later, God said to him, I will punish the Amalekites for what they did to Israel when they waylaid them as they came up from Egypt. Now go, attack the Amalekites and totally destroy all that belongs to them. Do not spare them. Put to death men and women, children and infants, cattle and sheep, camels and donkeys. God did lead Saul and his army to conquer the Amalekites, but Saul kept all the good stuff and let their king live. As Samuel approached Saul, he heard the noise of the livestock, and Saul tried to convince them that they had saved it all to give a great sacrifice to the Lord. But God's desire for obedience becomes clear in how Samuel responds, starting in verse 23. But Samuel replied, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination, and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned. I violated the Lord's command and your instructions. I was afraid of the men, and so I gave in to them. 
Look, Saul realizes this grand idea he had to help move Israel forward is instead something he needs to ask for forgiveness for. Saul says in verse 25, Now I beg you, forgive my sin and come back with me so that I may worship the Lord. But Samuel said to him, I will not go back with you. You have rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you as king over Israel. As Samuel turned to leave, Saul caught hold of the hem of his robe, and it tore. Samuel said to him, The Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today, and has given it to one of your neighbors, to one better than you. He who is the glory of Israel does not lie or change his mind, for he is not a human being that he should change his mind. The glory of Israel who does not change. We need to remember who we are dealing with when we offer flimsy excuses. Our offenses are against God, the eternal, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. This eternal nature of God means he is unbound by time has equal access to all points in time simultaneously, and all other things are constrained by the timeline He creates. Put simply, we are bound by the limits of time and God is not. So our perspective will always be limited. When we think we can just seek forgiveness later, we need to remember there are consequences to sin. I am a sinner. Eh, No way around it. I'm not ashamed to admit this because we all are. Jesus is the only one who has lived sinless and full of goodness, choosing to pay with his life the ransom for ours. As a result of his life, sacrificial death, and resurrection, we live in persistent, undeserved grace. The delight found in knowing compassion of that degree should make our hearts overflow with thankfulness. And yet, We know it would be wrong to go on sinning so that grace may increase. In fact, Paul says to that question specifically, by no means we are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? In Romans 6, 2, we are called to pursue life as people who live in the light of Christ. And the Christ exalting aim of that calling is to go and sin no more. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord, says Romans 6.23. We desire the gifts of God, but that doesn't mean we seek out ways we will need to be forgiven. We were sinners at birth, according to Psalm 51.5, so we have always been in need of salvation, and God has always had us in His sights. So we crave forgiveness, but we also seek to go and sin no more. Not just, you know, sin a little bit less. Hi, I'm Zach. And I'm Randy. And we're from Salty Saints Podcast. We're a theology and apologetics podcast. To find out more, subscribe at lifeaudio.com. The Historical Jesus Podcast is the sweeping saga of the life and times of Galilean Jesus of Nazareth, as well as the faith, religion, and church founded to honor and disseminate his acts and teachings. 
Join me, Mark Vinette, on this fascinating journey through time, exploring the many great works of Christian theology, literature, architecture, music, and art inspired by the words and deeds of Jesus Christ. The philosophy lurking through, it's easier to ask forgiveness than ask permission, has another danger that may be even more perilous to our souls. To treat forgiveness like it's an easy thing to attain seems to cheapen forgiveness. We teach our children to forgive, and the Bible teaches us in Ephesians 4.32 that we should be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. But forgiveness is costly. Being grateful for the lessons God teaches us in the midst of our sin, or as we experience the consequences of them, doesn't equate to justified sin. It means Jesus gave his very life so that we could be justified by him alone. It is God's goodness on display through his sovereign grace that should captivate us. Not a temporary thrill that we desire so fiercely that we would wrong another to get it. We count ourselves dead to sin and do not let it rule over us. Paul teaches, do not offer any part of yourselves to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law, but under grace. Romans 6, 11 through 14. Under grace means we are freed from the ultimate consequences of our sin so that we can enjoy Jesus more as we grow in holiness. This transforming grace doesn't allow us to savor where our whims might lead, but to see our Savior as worth more than anything we could grasp apart from Him. We do not yet know the full joy of existence absent of sin in full communion with God. For now, we wrestle and fight against sin daily, even hourly. But one day we will see our Savior face to face and in full redemption. We will know life finally free from sin. And we will know more fully what it cost Him to save us. So we seek God first. We ask Him to speak into our lives. We get to know Him through studying His Word, which gives us permission to live freely, unhindered by the ways of a world that will set itself contrary to the ways of God. And we do not downplay sin or cheapen forgiveness with playful wordplay. Would you pray with me? Jesus, Thank you so much for your mighty sacrifice. May we never be those who cheapen forgiveness. When we see what it costs you, it also shows us how much we are loved. Help us to seek out your will in all situations and flee from the temptation to justify sin. May we listen well. May we love well. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. I am so thankful that God is so patient with us and that he has extended that forgiveness. The resources 
and verses referred to in this podcast can be found in the show notes at lifeaudio.com slash podcast or on iTunes. And if you're over in the notes, we'd love if you would rate and review this podcast so others can find us. And for those of you who've already reviewed, thank you. I appreciate it. And until next time, may you seek the abundant life Jesus died to give and live in the truth that sets people free. Hi friend, are you stressed, maybe even worried about so many needs around you that you've forgotten you are worth taking care of too? Well, I'm Bonnie Gray, the host of Breathe, the Stress Less Podcast. I want to invite you to join me as I share practical tips based on science, inspired by God's Word, to help you spark joy and restore God's peace and love to your soul. Subscribe now and go to lifeaudio.com.